Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast on a football Friday. We are uh, just one day removed from the D'Amico Ryan's press conference. Great press conference yesterday. A lot of optimism, a lot of hope coming out of that. Nick Casario joins us in a little under an hour here on the show. 7.30, the Texans GM will be on with us right now. Kind enough to shuffle his Friday schedule around for the Texans GM. And I know that uh, before the press conference yesterday, he and Nick had words about this. <laughs> Brooks Cabina of the Houston Chronicle. Was it a cordial conversation that you had with Nick about having to move out of the parking spot at 730? No, nah, we gloved up. We, uh, we, we had a throwdown. We, uh, <laughs> throw down in the cafeteria. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> throwing pots and pans at each other. Jim Irsay <laughs> went on uh, bare knuckles on you. Yes. Yes. Jim Irsay probably believes that he won the bare knuckles championship in 1898. <laughs> Is that in his mind? It was he a was hallucination there, yeah. he had. We went 173 point. rounds. <laughs> People right. are upset about Jeff Saturday getting a third interview. <laughs> right? Yeah, nah, they nah. don't know what it was like. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But you guys are cool. Yeah. No, I was like, I, and I, I set the 5 a.m. alarm, and he's like, "Welcome to my world." Yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna need a whole fridge of Red Bulls. So. There you go. Here we are. I feel good though. I feel like I normally than my seven. Uh, Seven twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, feel more uh, energized. You feel yeah. invigorated that there's actually. It feels like a pulse. It, there is um, a pulse. Yeah, and like the right kind of pulse, not a, like a zombie pulse or whatever goes right. on with that stuff. Like mm-hmm. an actual pulse from an actual football coach who's intended to be there for a long time. Yeah. For all the context of yesterday. That was my main takeaway from um, one of the main takeaways from being there yesterday with all the former players, all the current players that were there too. Um, it's just the context of this moment, like is so huge for the for the Texans. It was the most meaningful hire they could possibly have. And it worked out to the point where this team needed that kind of coach who wanted them. I mean, that was what was the biggest thing. He says coming after the coming off the field, the practice field on that Friday before the Cowboys divisional round game and Nick Casario is the one that told the story up on stage. He's like and uh, he comes off the field, um goes in, does the zoom, at the end of it says, "I I want to come back home." Let's make that happen. Yeah. So any question of whether he wanted this job or not towards the beginning, that that that's wrong. He was I mean, like he a wanted, sales guy asking for the order. It, it was really, it was horrible <laughs> negotiating. Like it was, yeah. was please give me the job. He was yeah yeah. He was like I don't. Uh, no, and then he turned he, down a couple of interviews. And I like I'm, I'm joking about yeah. the negotiating part of it because he had some very good leverage on, sure. the, on, on the Texans. But um, but yeah, I it's Brooks in. This is the thing. Most NFL head coaches, almost all of them, are mercenaries. Right. They're going to go where the situation is best, where they can coach the best, but it has very little to do with the actual place other than the owner and all that stuff. That's what felt so unique in a good way about yesterday was, okay, this is a, this is an NFL coach that actually specifically wanted to be here with this franchise in this city. Yeah. And you, you really don't get that all that often. No, and this is a team that whenever, I mean, from all the national perspective, you just saw this, it's like, oh, they've had – He'll be their fourth head coach in four years. Like this team doesn't keep, uh, you know, coaches more than one year, and then he's he's they're going to have to really convince him how to do this. And all that being equal with a candidate that didn't have a tie to a team, and maybe it wasn't their dream job. That might have been true. Yeah, but they needed to Demico Ryan's. Demico Ryan's wanted to 
uh, go to the Texans. He ended up with a six-year contract, so to speak to the negotiation of it, there are things that he needed protections for and secured. So worked out in those angles. But, I mean, to have that scenario and then you're in the context of the moment like this kind of falls in almost perfectly for the Texans as they're ready to ramp up and be a competitive team again. The other thing, part of that story, got a chance to talk to D'Amico after the press conference a little bit. He said whenever he was... Um, he had that Zoom meeting planned. Right. So, like, you know, there's always that balance between interviewing and coaching for a team in the playoffs, and he balanced that really well. But he was like, you know, practice went late that Friday, and he was, like, oh. checking his watch. Oh, He's yeah. Like, okay, all right, I got that interview. And then there's, like, 30 <laughs> minutes. Like, he had to run. He had to book it to use the book. It, yeah. Right? You had to go to take a shower, get ready. He didn't even – he had notes, but he didn't get to his notes. And he's just sitting down there. He's like, okay, all right, let's just go. And sometimes it's better in an interview. You're like, yeah. you're just talking yeah. off your – uh, what what you know and just lean on yourself. So the the interview went great, and they basically wanted to uh, get everything done right then. So I mean, all the excitement exuding from that Friday kind of carried over to here. So um, interesting to see just the looseness, how they how Cal McNair, Nick Casario talked about the moment. Uh, they looked very um, collaborative together, and those are words that Casario continues to use. And um, I mean, that's that's what they've got ahead for them. Yeah. I, so I want to get your reaction to a few of the clips. Yeah. We're, we've, you know, we've got Nick coming up at seven thirty, so we're going to be our cup is going to overflow with with audio on the show today. So I do want to make sure we get to some of these, so a the audience can hear them, but a couple specific ones I wanted to get your reaction to as well, Brooks. Um, and I know you liked this one too yesterday, Seth, mm-hmm. talking to you after the press conference um, when D'Amico Ryan's was asked about what he's taken from. When did he want to start coaching? He said he's want to start coaching. When I was a player, he was looking through that prism, and he talked about all the different things he took from the various coaches that he played for and has been around through the years. Because I've become a head coach, and I've been around a lot of different coaches, I, I always take what I learn from each place I've been. I, when I first started here with Coach Gary Kubiak, right, he taught, taught us how what a first-class organization looked like. Right? He taught us, Gary Kubiak taught us, you treat players as men first. I learned that from Gary. Moving on to Philadelphia, being around Andy Reid, I learned from Andy Reid how to be a great teacher. Right? Andy was an awesome teacher, but he's also a protector of his players. So you'll never see me throwing a player under the bus. It'll always be about protecting our players first. And with Coach Chip Kelly, what I learned from him, he was a master motivator, but he was also very an innovator. And Chip Kelly, he didn't waste. He was always on the cutting edge. Right, always looking for ways to get better with sports science, technology. And I, I take things that I learned from all these men, and that's how I feel like you build an organization, right? You build a first-class organization, right? You protect your players, be a great teacher, motivate them, and do everything to be adaptable, to change and make sure we have the best things for our players when it comes to sports science and technology. See, that has a lot to me stuck out with, Whenever I was wondering about his experience level, you look mm-hmm. at like, oh, he's only been a two-year defensive coordinator. He's been around all those head coaches, and it's notable that they're all pretty much offensive guys. And the other thing, too, is that it's not in that clip, but D'Amico later said like the whole reason he got into coaching was to help players. Yes. He mentioned Brian Cushing. He mentioned Jordan Hicks, who was with the Eagles. And to go into coaching to develop players, he had that whole story about Fred Warner and how he was hands-on with him and helped him as a third rounder reached a two time all pro like all those things treating players like men being a great teacher protecting them not throwing them under the bus and then using the resource around that you have in the modern age of football which 
the Texans have plenty of, he's going to be able to use use those things and help the players that they. That's all it's about because they're about to draft a bunch of other players, eleven more draft picks if they use all of those. They probably won't. You probably trade a lot of to trade up again like they did last year, and then all the free agents that they'll sign. Those are those are huge things. And he named three that were specific, and they were all rookies: Derek yeah. Stingley, Christian Harris, and Jalen Petrie, and obviously all defensive guys. So. Those are going to be things that he's definitely going to be uh, taking on for himself, all along with the defensive staff he creates. Yeah, and I think that that by far the biggest concern people have with D'Amico, at least from what people send my way, is the fact that he's a defensive coach at all. I asked you that too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's a valid concern. I get it. I get concerned about it because right. I think I think a lot of defensive coaches flat out don't have an actual plan for how they're going to address that deficiency. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they hodgepodge a little too much. And they end up being classical defensive coaches where they're overly conservative. Um, they're more concerned with not making mistakes and being aggressive on offense. Yesterday made me feel very much like that's an unwarranted concern when he started talking about, A, Andy Reid and Chip Kelly, and B, the sports science part of it. I think that D'Amico um, is obviously very open and receptive to that side of it, which includes the analytics of going forward on fourth down, going for touchdowns instead of field goals, all of that. Um and I so that that I'm not as concerned about. Obviously, you still got to find offensive coordinators, replace them, and, and cultivate them. But that's a right. whole other story. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is I still am curious about what their offensive staff is going to be and how much experience that person has as a play caller. I mean, if Bobby Slowick comes in, which would be uh, kind of the obvious connection with the 49ers, then you know that is someone that's coming up within the ranks, and they have. The ability to communicate. We talked about this last week, Seth, where you were saying like coaches have to coach players too. I mean, I mean, coaches have to learn how to coach coaches. Yeah, yeah. And that would be an easy connection for them because they are familiar with each other. When then Bobby Sloak, if he were to then eventually become someone who leaves, he'd be able to teach the next person mm-hmm. too. So if it goes to somebody else that's outside the connections between D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario even, that would be something that would be mo- mostly up, up to that person too. But the the other thing I wanted to get back to because y'all were talking about the quarterbacks, yeah. Um, they were D'Amico Ryan said you got to build around a quarterback. That's not you know breaking news. The other coaches who were here have said that too. But I, I think it's notable to point out that no team is really invested in quarterback as much as the Forty ers have. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, like Purdy was playing seven games into that playoff run, but they trade trade they traded. Uh, John Lynch traded three picks, basically first round picks, including the one that they had in twenty twenty one to trade up and get Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. They traded and signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a five-year, $125 million deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, they invested in the quarterback. Right, so yeah. it's not like the the Texans are going to be like, no, you know, we're not they, really going to do that. They're, we're going to support not, They didn't else. try to Brian Hoyer their way through Right. Yeah, no, no, they invested in quarterbacks yeah. in San Francisco. That's what we've learned from Kubchanistan is that, yes, it's, it's awesome at getting you to a certain level, but to get over the top, you need that extra little of bit of something. You know, that's why... That's why you trade. That's why the Rams trade away golf yep. and and bring in somebody that they think can just get them that little bit extra. Yep. But right. as far as but if you have I, I, the goal is to be like look at what San Francisco was this year. They're an NFC Championship caliber team, possibly more if Brock Purdy stays healthy, without really having either of their chosen top guys there. Yeah. Like you want to be that good and then add the guy on top. Yep. 
Right. Uh, Brooks, you're familiar with the nation of Kubshanistan, the Kubiak-Shanahan tree? If you stand I, for Kubiak or Shanahan. So right. I, I believe as a Houstonian, I'm a, I'm a citizen in some ways. You are, so. you, no doubt. Yeah. You, you, I don't know if you're naturalized. That's a whole other debate. I feel, really. like, if you, I feel so. like if you've covered the Texans for any bit of time the, green the last card couple years. Do right. I have a work visa right now as a journalist? Yes, you, you need do. to be a natural-born Kubstanishan. Okay. Do, do I have amnesty as a, as a journalist, or do I get, you know, do I have to... Do I have to <laughs> do I get run out? Well, do the like coaches the, want the journalists okay. around in Coop Shanistan? This or? whole thing, just like the actual constitution, there's no real definition for what a natural <laughs> right, right. citizen of Coop Shanistan is. Uh, Coop, Seth just declared himself president. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. election. Right? I can basically whatever uh, whatever the polls are telling me is what uh, is is right. what declares it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You better write nice things about it, though. That's what I tell you. Oh man. Um. So Shanistan is as much in here. <laughs> Pointing to my heart as it Touching is his chest. Here. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Brooks Cabina in studio with us, Houston Chronicle. Along those lines. I can't wait until I'll kill half the population of Cuba Shannon. Along those lines. Thanos. Okay, Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, along those lines, um, I, I think when any defensive coach, whether it's D'Amico Ryans or anybody else, had been hired, if it were Jonathan Gannon or Ijero mm-hmm. Ivero or anybody, you'd go, okay, they hired a defensive guy as coach. Does this change the calculus at all on the second overall pick in the draft? Or they could they lean Will Anderson now because it's a defensive coach or this? D'Amico, I thought, had a great anecdote yesterday that I want to play about being in the war room in San Francisco. That he talked to, it was a six round pick, but I think it's applicable maybe to the conversations from the top to the bottom of the draft. Here was D'Amico Ryan's on a story where he talked about what he wanted, but then the greater good of the team is what ended up winning out. It's me being in the draft room for the for my first year as a defensive coordinator, right? And I'm looking there, and I'm a former linebacker, and, man, I want to get some backers. I want to get – this is my first draft. I want to draft some linebackers. And, you know, we're at a point in the draft, sixth round, where we're there, and there are, like, two linebackers there on the draft board for us. And I'm, I'm like, ah, I really want a linebacker, but I also know, right, that do we – is this the right thing for our team? Right, so we look at a highlight tape. They just pop this running back up, and it's Elijah Mitchell. Right, they pop his highlight tape up, and we're, I'm watching him, and I'm like, "Wow, man, this dude is fast. This dude can help us." Right, I know I want the linebacker selfishly, but I see a running back who can truly help our team, and so I say, "Kyle, let's take the running back." Right, and that's what I've learned about being in this position. It's not about egos. It's not about being selfish. It's about doing the right things for the team. And we do the right things for the team. That's how you build a successful or successful program. Um, Brooks, we were talking about this off air, and you had a, a good question, which was kind of like, okay, how much how much does a defensive coach or coordinator or like a linebacker's coach have input into that kind of stuff? It was a sixth round. It does it, – at that stage in the draft, a lot of times people are kind of getting the position coaches – actual opinion on various guys and um and trying to I, like in an open and collaborative environment guys yeah. are honest about it that is and it, it like so many front offices are there's just such a big diversity and i think people in their minds always go to the soap opera version of it to where everybody must be trying to get the other guy or trying to trying to get power over somebody else and a lot of them just simply aren't like that like if you've got a good environment it is collaborative yeah. And and it sounds like it sounds like D'Amico's been in some good collaborative environments as a coach, which is um, which is cool because it's better than getting somebody that's come from like the uh, like the Greg Williams school of doing things. Yes, yes. 
I'm looking at that. people in the kidneys every chance you get. I'm trying to find who the linebacker might have been. There weren't that many linebackers drafted after Elijah Mitchell that draft. You know who was drafted with the very next pick? Roy Lopez. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe you thought Roy Lopez was a linebacker because he's so tiny. (laughs) So small, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But with whether D'Amico Ryan's hire changes how they ultimately do the number two overall pick with a quarterback or a defensive player, I don't think that D'Amico Ryans or Nick Casario even know right now exactly who they're going to pick with that. I agree with and that, I, yeah. I think throughout this process, they're going to like evaluate all these players and y'all get a chance to ask him. If y'all can nail him down on the number two pick, that'd be great. We'll and try. Radio Everybody history. Cool. <laughs> get that going. But um, I, I just I think about the timing. I'm, I'm always about parallels in some ways because that's all you really have to speculate. But D'Amico Ryans' experience in 2006, they get an offensive-minded first-time head coach in Gary Kubiak. They need a quarterback. They're trying to figure out David Carr, and he had come in and said that he could work with him too, but you also can prepare for the future. They didn't draft a quarterback. They went Mario Williams, and then they went to Miko Ryan. They went defensive players early in the draft to help build what they had. Um, and you look at the team right now, and then the, later on, what did they do? They traded for Michael Vick's backup, who ended up being the best quarterback the Texans had up until Deshaun Watson. So there are other ways the Texans can go about the quarterback position and you can make parallels and say, like, okay, Derek Carr's available. Maybe that's a possibility. If you have Bobby Slowick and then Jimmy Garoppolo's around, you want to sign. There are other ways that maybe don't sound very popular right now. But, I mean, from my takeaway with D'Amico Ryan's in that story is that he's open to those conversations. And I, I pointed out and I remembered whenever he started saying collaborative, working together, doing it the right way with the right people, and then Nick Casario saying amen. Yeah. There's that connection between those two that I think they're – going to be uh, helpful to each other. Yep. You know, um, you mentioned that 2006 draft. Yeah. Uh, Jay Cutler. I just remember watching. Remember the mic'd up where uh, the, they were playing the Broncos and uh, and during warm-ups, uh, Kubiak was just like, my, look at the whip on that kid. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is like marvel, marveling at Jay Cutler throwing yeah. the football. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, that was uh, – if he had to go back, <laughs> who knows how Cutler would have been with Kubiak. Yeah, seriously. Smoking cigarettes all over. <laughs> uh, Brooks, what do you got going on this weekend in the Chronicle? Well, more on D'Amico Ryan's got a chance to uh, enter the fray of uh, former Texans football players and uh, get a lot of stories about D'Amico, about the timing, about – the oh, context of this moment for the Texans where they're moving forward. I mean, D'Amico Ryan seems, uh, I mean, he said it himself, this is his dream job, just kind of building around that and the stories that led up to this moment. Talked to a lot of guys, and it'll be it'll be a fun story. You Can't should call it an expose. An expose. Yeah. All the bad things people yeah. found. I'm, uh, nah, not, a, not a single thing. He Everybody forgot was, to tip his barber once. <laughs> uh, what if somebody wrote it that way? Like little little tiny things. Oh, but like with Sean the and I had an article written about us. That was, I saw that yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. That was complete. Okay, so and I listened to that interview too. So okay, I think so it's you knew that if you had read it, you would have thought like, "Oh my gosh, this Seth Payne is really put <laughs> well, out." He right? is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was just joking the whole time. Right. I'm gonna steal your. Uh, you know what? That's a good. T- and I like the, that from him because he's like, you know what? You know, some people might finagle, like think that. Oh yeah, I've already thought of that. He's like, no, I didn't think about. It. I'm gonna steal that and use that the rest of my interviews. <laughs> he had he used it verbatim the rest of the way. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So. It's crazy. So when we see the D'Amico Ryan's expose this weekend, you guys will have credit. You'll have stolen my idea there, there and, you go. Uh, and not credited it. Yeah. There you go. Hey, Brooks, great piece, too, on the four big needs for the Texans. That Appreciate you had. that. Yeah, yeah. That was, if, if you can go find it, uh, the people can go to the Houston, uh, cron.com, HoustonChronicle.com and go get that. Right? And Jonathan Alexander will be writing about Derek Stingley. Got a chance to catch up with him. Oh, good. So he was there, and uh, you know they 
obviously, uh, D'Amico Ryan's talked about him first, and uh, along with Jalen Peach and Christian Harris. So a lot of people wondering how he'll fit in that defense and get a chance to hear from him too. So. We'll, we'll have that cut for you coming out of the top of the hour. That was cool to hear D'Amico talk about specific guys on the defensive side of the ball. Really get you thinking and get you excited about next year. Brooks, great stuff. Keep up the great work. We'll see you uh, We'll see you next week. See you guys. All right, there it is. Brooks Cabina, Houston Chronicle. Go find his stuff on uh, on the Chronicle website there. Brooks Cabina, at B Cabina on uh, Twitter. I'm glad he mentioned Derek Stingley because Derek Stingley was wearing a hoodie that said politics on it. Yeah. And I was sitting next to Whitney. I was like, Whitney, like... Am I just really old? I don't know. What is is that a brand or is that a statement or something? And Whitney was like, I don't know. I'm getting old too, man. I don't know. Oh, crap. So now I got to. I have the yeah. same question. <laughs> it's uh, sneakerpolitics.com. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, all right. Up next, we have Nick Casario coming up. Bottom of the hour, seven thirty. The Texans GM will join us. We'll get his thoughts on yesterday, the off season, things moving forward. Um, and up next, more from D'Amico Ryan's, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, Christian Harris, all specifically named by the Texans' new head coach yesterday. You'll hear that next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.